My final Beaker Street guest, another American-sounding Australian, is Wendy Zuckerman, ex-catalyst, now star of Science Versus, which is online and very well podded. Wendy, welcome back. You've been here six months. I have, I have. Got culture shock yet? (laughs) I've yet to see a kangaroo, but many possums, I'm very happy to say. And here in Tasmania, they hate them for some reason, a bit like New Zealand. Having not been home for a really long time, I I still get really excited seeing a possum. They're just so marsupial, you know. (laughs) Dead right. The difference between the American attitude to science matters and Australians, is there a difference? You know, I think Australians still have a sense of respect for experts. And in America, that does seem lost. We are losing it in Australia. You know, there's people often talk about the internet where everyone's their own expert and you follow your own influencer to the end of the earth and don't worry about who's actually a professor and who's studied this. And this is a phenomenon you see around the world. But I think in Australia, there is still an appreciation for the professor that has studied something over the influencer who's just started a TikTok. So I I do think we're, as science journalists and science communicators, we're fighting less of a battle in Australia, but there's probably less differences that we would like. It's quite interesting, isn't it? When you've got the political change where, if you like, the working class, as it used to be called, unionist and uh, on the left wing, and of course the manufacturing and various things like that, and unions diminished. And so the kind of battles that exist now are not so much in the old-fashioned ideological sense, left versus right. It's a different left and a different right. But you've got, instead, you've got culture wars. And this is where your sort of work comes in. Fads. Lots of fads in Australia, do you think? There are lots of fads, lots of beliefs. Anyone will go to dinner with a friend and they'll possibly be cutting something else out of their diet. All of a sudden they've heard that you know, canola oil is bad for them or dairy it's off the table, gluten's off the table. You know, these are all you could think of as fads. Whether they're right for you and your body, that's another question. But anytime you hear someone on the internet telling you not to eat something because it's toxic, the word toxic, it should always be a ring in someone's head that, oh, Maybe I can't trust this person talking. But I do think your point about left and right is an interesting one because having lived in in America for seven years and particularly during the Trump years, which I say hoping they do not return, the idea of left and right is different on some issues. So, for example, when we did an episode about immigration and I went to the South, went to Alabama and spoke to people there, farmers, barbers about their ideas about immigration and what they thought, they had this sense of, Who are you? Are you a foreigner? And the fact that I would say I'm from Australia and they were like, oh, that's better than if you'd come from New York, for example. So they would say, oh, north of the Mason-Dixon line, for example, which is a line that was important in the American Civil War. And I was like, oh, my goodness, you know, to go back so far. And so I think these things that in Australia we don't think of as right and left or I guess abortion rights is something that in America, if you're on the right, if you're voting for Republican, you have very specific views on abortion. In Australia, I don't think we see it like that. And so it's set in such a political camp in America that in Australia, it's quite different. It's quite a personal issue that different people have. And you don't have people in Labor and people in Liberal having opinions on it. So do you find yourself as someone who's presenting a program and living now in Melbourne and doing it for an American audience that sometimes the people, your producers in New York or wherever, are saying, no, no, um, that, that, that's different here. You've forgotten. Yeah, there is a little 
little bit. I mean, there's issues. So, for example, vaping is one that's sort of less political. But in Australia, we have laws about, you know, nicotine vapes. Whether they're enforced or not is a different question. But the battlegrounds in Australia and America are a little bit different. And so we are sort of talking through what are the universal issues that people care about? You know, let's not focus on the details of what's being regulated where and how and just more focus on the bigger questions. So with vaping, you know, is it safe? What do we know about what it's doing to our lungs rather than how should politicians be regulating it and are they doing it good enough? Don't you keep making huge numbers of enemies by doing this, you know, versus the people who are four <laughs> will come raging up and say, Wendy, where are you? Yes, it's a little like Media Watch. You love us until your party is, <laughs> is being questioned. Absolutely. I mean, the show's been going for seven years now and we have people, so for example, we did an episode on pit bulls last season. And I didn't realise people have very strong views on pit bulls. And they love their dogs. They love their dogs or they hate them and they think they're the most dangerous animals you know, to exist. And people, you know, I have loved your show, for, I have trusted your show forever, but not anymore. Now that you've told me that our conclusion, spoiler alert, was that pit bulls on the average are not more aggressive than other dogs. And so for those who are on the anti-pit bull side, all of a sudden, I'm never watching Watching this, listening to this show again, how dare you? And really, we're just following the science at every point. But I think the fact that the show has been able to stick around and keep its audience and grow its audience for so long says that most people do trust us, even if they get a little pissed off when we go after their mm. baby topic or whatnot. Do you find science is very well behaved usually with most scientists agreeing and there's a central line that people in science adhere to? Yes, I think so. We're really careful on the show to make sure we interview a lot of scientists and really try to find the scientific consensus. And we mostly find that scientific consensus. I think in the press or or in social media, there is this sense of like, oh, one scientist says this, another says this, science doesn't know anything. But really the truth is for the vast majority of issues, as Robin, you know so well, there is a big consensus and they're fighting around the edges. And that gets lost when we just sort of throw out these little tweets and, and memes and that sort of thing. And so I think on the show, we are really able to present a consensus for the most part. And we have this sort of joke on the show where like every now and then we think, oh, maybe we'll present an episode about a science fight, you know, where scientists are fighting about, let's say, cholesterol or something like that. And then we dive into the topic, speak to all these scientists, and we're like, oh, the fight is actually at the very edges. The vast majority are agreeing this isn't going to be interesting to our audience. You know, just tell them what they need to be eating. And that's what it is. Well, tolerance has changed because way back in the beginning, my doing the science show, I used to do deliberate fun hoaxes like the discovery of the fossil beer can that showed that, you know, 100,000 years ago, there were people on the piss in Australia with drinking beer cans and then walking backwards to Europe, which is how Europe really got populated from Australia. And people just enjoyed it, although the temperance society told us off when we exhibited the actual beer can (laughs) in the Australian Museum. But um, your listeners have a sense of humour. I think most of them do. I will say very early on when I was in America, because I started making the show in Australia for the ABC and then I started making it in America. And in the first season, I mispronounced as a joke, Arkansas, and I called it Arkansas. And four years later, people would, I guess, go back to that episode and inform me of the correct way to pronounce Arkansas. (laughs) 
which I'm happy to tell the audience that I do know. Um, and every now and then there's things like that. There was one time where I put on a silly American accent. I think it was actually the immigration episode because I do have, I'm a dual citizen, so I'm a citizen of the US and Australia. And so I made a joke and put on an American accent. I was like, actually, the Australian accent is fake. You know, I've been American this whole time. And people did think. I don't want to like lean into the American stereotype too much, but there is this sense of like, oh, she, that Australian accent must be fake then if she's a US citizen. And, <laughs> and there's, so every now and then we'll, we do sort of think, oh, goodness. But I think if you've been listening to the show for this long, you must have a sense of humour because we really try to not take ourselves too seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think that's an important part of explaining science these days. I mean, we talked about this idea of, you know, who's really an expert and who can you trust? And I think a really important part of science communication these days and it's perhaps an unfortunate thing, but I do think it is where we are at is that we need to show our audiences that we are people and that we have humour and that scientists have humour. And that's part of helping them understand, you can trust me. I'm just trying to find the facts and I'm just trying to present them to you. Whereas I feel like perhaps a decade ago, two decades ago, all you needed was some toffee professor just telling you the facts and then that would be it. You don't you didn't need to work so hard to build trust with your audience. You know, I think if you're laughing, you're listening, you're not so defensive, it, it feels much better if I'm telling you that this fat that you've been on a ketogenic diet, you know, suffering through it and you think it's the right thing to do for your body and I'm telling you it really might not be, that's a hard thing to hear. But if I'm helping you laugh along like a friend who really cares about you, maybe you're more likely to listen to that information. Yeah. And so I, I think the humour is something I have to do because yeah. it's my job and I love making people laugh, but I think it also helps deliver the science. Congratulations and thank you. Thank you so much. Wendy Zuckerman of Science Versus, a star of Beaker Street in Hobart. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.